Change will come to those who have no fear. But I am not her, you never were the kind who kept a rule book near. Word me like a pair of thieves, tumbled locks and broken codes. Welcome to Bleed TV, the podcast for the best shows on TV, and I'm Zach. And I'm Jake. And tonight we're covering episode 202, which is True Detective. Uh, it was called Night Finds You. Uh, the director was Justin Lin again. And, of course, the writer, old Nick Piz. A lotto. Um, bro, what's your thoughts on this one? Uh, mostly slow for me on this one. Um, obviously, it picked up a little bit at the end there. Um, I don't know. I thought it kind of continued from the first episode. I think we got a little more character detail on a couple of the characters. Um, but I thought it was kind of a, s- a slow burn through three-quarters of the episode, probably. I hear you. Um, I, you know, I really enjoyed it. I, th- I think this was a really first, a really good first step to separate this show from last season. This really kind of made its own distinction. Um, it really built on the characters. It showed them together, the dynamic of them working, the dialogue. And, and then the show, as well as the plot itself, has really, really thickened and in one episode. And so uh, I enjoyed it for that. There was some problems in the episode, and I'll go over that in the rundown. But overall, I loved it. Um, and uh, way to leave you on the cliff at the end, you know. So, uh, I, I mean... I'm really, really, really enjoying so far. So uh, I said we're just going to in the rundown and can get on to it. Let's do it. Uh, it opens up with old Frank um, sitting in the bed with his wife and uh, discussing some stains on the ceiling. Uh, I thought this was random. Yeah, but I also kind of thought it looked like eyes. You know, I know it, I know it did pan to Casper's burnout eyes on the autopsy table, but I thought the like, first thing I saw was like, okay, it's, you know, a little symbolism? A little symbolism, probably, if something's staring down on them. Um, and, you know, kind of a lack of control type of deal, too. You know, you get right. the roof fixed and stuff like that, but now the leak's showing. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think this whole dialogue, I think this is the part that we've heard from other people, that this is his long monologue or his long speech, and which is kind of a throwback to season one, you know, these long dialogues and they have some real interesting content and some twists and turns about the stories and background and i'm gonna hold my judgment and hear what you have to say first but do you think that whole spiel that he was talking about you know his dad the seller before we get into the details of what he said was his acting believable in this part i don't really think the writing or his acting did any favors to either you know it wasn't like it was terrible you know i just i wasn't blown away by it at all really um i had a viewer tell me the same thing and i completely agree it i thought the writing was okay i just think he performed it and i felt like it went out flat but i gotta be honest too i feel like he's working with a hand behind his back because even just looking at him i just can't help but think about his past roles i'm still getting past you know, just his past. You know what I mean? I mean it's like... Yeah. Uh, 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 yeah, every time you look at him, it's Wedding Crasher. I get that. You know, uh, either way it goes, you know, 
it still came out flat to me. I was a little disappointed. I enjoyed the content of what he was saying, you know, uh, you know, basically, you know, the whole, I loved with, you know, the seller, you know, dad would go down there, he'd go on benders. He'd sit me down there. And then I guess one time he got arrested and he was down there for multiple days. And then on day three, he, uh, ran out of food and the light wasn't out. And then he talks about the rat nibbling on his fingers. And then how about the, I grabbed it and just kept smashing it until it was goo in my hand. I mean, woo. Tough for a six year old. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, I, I just don't, that, that's tough to swallow. You know, you, you, you have scars for the rest of your life or something like that happens. Oh yeah. I'm not, and I'm not sure he's not a scarred individual, you know. You got to be some kind of scar to get into the life he got into. Yeah. And, you know, of course, he wraps up his little deal and he thinks about, you know, what if he never came? You know, I'd be dead. And that, I guess, this, the last two or three parts of his little speech there is where I felt like it nosedived and went flat. And he was kind of like, you know, well, what if it didn't come? What if it is this? You know, you know, it was just kind of like it just kind of came on out, but it didn't have a lot of emotion. Yeah. I don't what know. if I'm I still down the there? That's the part that hurt it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. This is kind of one of those things where people don't really talk like that. So it's almost overriding, yeah. I'd say. Yeah, you're trying to create something that just not really attainable, especially with that actor. And, you know, But it is what it is. Um, then you get to the shot of Casper's face on the autopsy table. You can see where it has the slits going the opposite way in his eyes and the coroner is discussing how the, they used acid to burn the eyes and it used a tool to pull out what was left. And, um, you know, it was just kind of like, whoa. You know, it was very, 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 you know, the way they were described made it seem like what happened to him was symbolic. Did you get that vibe? Yeah, kind of, but I'm not sure we know what the symbolism is yet. Right. You know, because, I mean, I know he has a you know sexual kind of deviant past. You know, he had his appetites and stuff, but no one knows if that's why he was killed. Yeah, yeah, you don't know if it's personal, business, or what. Yeah, it could be a lot of different directions with that guy. Um, you get then the, it goes to where you see the three different parts of the state government. You see the state, the county, the city, and they're all bickering over who actually has the case. Um, you know, and one's like, why is state here? Why this? The body's here. We're, we're going to take it. You know, and they're going back and forth, back and forth. Um, Paul, you know, the... They basically, and then it goes to each one of the main characters. They go to Paul first, um, which is Taylor Kitsch, and they tell him that we're going to, you know, it's a special detail. You're basically being a detective working on point. Um, all goes well, you know, you, you'll stay that way. And he just looks at him and goes, all I want to do is go back on the bike, you know. And I was like, <laughs> okay. Um, then it cuts to Annie, and uh, they tell Annie that she's going to be the lead investigator of this the whole situation. Um, and then it goes to Velcoro, and he's sitting in there, and he's talking to his mayor, um, his lieutenant, a commander. And they decide, they, they go in more depth. They, they talk about, you know, uh, how Casper was involved with this, how it was like $900 millions for this tax benefit versus this, and how this is very, very important. And then he gives a very upfront question, which I it's kind of what I think everybody wants to know is, uh, you know, am I supposed to solve this? You know, and the answer is uh, just no surprises. Keep us in the loop, you know. 
Well, you know, does that kind of give you any clue in that, you know, there's a bigger agenda going on here? Well, I think all those people in that room were looking out for themselves mainly. Like Everybody wants to be rich on this deal. I don't want anything to mess it up. Right. And, there, and throughout the episode, it looks like everybody's saying the deal's still on, you know, as long as this doesn't stir up any, you know, tornadoes on us, then we're fine. The deal's going to go through as planned. Um I think the thing with Paul with wanting to get back on the bike, that's just kind of telling that he's still, you know, I don't know if he just has a kind of death wish or he only has peace on the bike or whatever the thing is. Um, And then with Annie, you know, talking about, didn't I think they brought up right here where uh, Ray's kind of possibly compromised and, yeah, when they were talking to her, they said that he's going to be on second, but be careful because he could, uh, he's got um, some attachments to something. I forget exactly how they worded it. It wasn't the exact word compromise, it was something else. But yeah, yeah they basically alluded that he was. Uh, possibly on the take. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You need to watch your P's and Q's around him. Well, basically, they told her to solve the case, but also keep an eye on him to possibly get some dirt on him as well i think you know or to look for any signs that 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 may be the case you know right so well then it uh cuts away back to casper's autopsy and my eyes decide to get blown away just as well as his junk (laughs) um they discussed the 12 gauge shotgun round to the junk and then they decide to flip the sheets back yeah. And see the nutless wonder. Felt like I was watching Game of Thrones or something. With, you the know, in the full packageless wonder. Uh, oh, gosh, man. It, it was like, I just could not believe they threw the sheet away like that. And, you know. Yeah, but really, if you think about it, I mean, what you does it really show? Yeah, you don't really I mean, see you, anything. You see a mannequin with a bunch of holes in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was a close shot of a shotgun round. Yeah. You know? Just, you know, the significance of where it was located. Yeah. I mean, brutal. Absolutely brutal. But. And once again, shows a little more symbolism. You know, somebody had a, you know, at least some kind of knowledge of his sexual deeds. Yeah, there was definite attachment. Um, of course, then the coroner says there was no trace evidence, no fingerprints, no nothing, nothing under the nails, and I thought that was pretty strange. Um, you know, kind of a unique detail. But, you know, there you go. Um then you see uh, Rank. Uh, rank. I just said Rank. <laughs> That's Ray and Frank with the combination. <laughs> <is> rank. <laughs> anyway, um, are discussing the details of Casper's death. Um, they're out there, you know, I don't know if they're under underpass or something. It's right next to that sewer where the kids are. It just uh, looks like it's kind of out there in some industrial area. Right. They keep talking about the pollution and the toxic waste yeah, and stuff like yeah. that. So. Um, you know, and he, 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 they're talking about, hey, I need the details. We need to find out who did this. I need to handle it. And Ray's kind of, they're kind of insulting each other back and forth. And, and Frank kind of hits him with like, a, you can put your best guy on this, right? Somebody, he's like, what the hell does that mean? He's like, you know, you're not a detective, you know, and kind of cuts his nuts right there. Uh, you know, and, you know, a little, a little cussing at each other. Who's and, your best uh, informant? That's what yeah. he said. <laughs> and I was like, Okay, all right. That, I guess that just really shows you that all he looks at Ray is as an enforcer, you know, but with a badge, you know. 
Um, and then this part that comes up kind of really throws me. He just kind of looks at these kids in the sewer area or whatever, this drain thing, and he's spitting out some Spanish and like, you know, I don't know if he's like, get out of there, go on, da, 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 da. Um, and then of course they raise their fingers like, you know, F you. And he's like, yeah, of course, fuck me. Yeah. And, you know. <laughs> but what's the purpose here? What, what's going on? Well, there's a comment in there about how he has, um, like environmental concerns. Like he, that's something he has a personal thing with. He actually enjoys or not enjoys, but has a care for the environment. So I think he was basically telling those kids, stop playing next to this toxic waste sewage dump. You know, move it along, basically. And yeah. plus, he, you know, he has a thing for kids, obviously. But yeah, well, I can't remember what it was. It was kind of a throwaway line that I remember hearing about him and his, you know, his care about the environment. So right, okay. Um, then it cuts to where you see Paul, Taylor Kitsch character, um, at this trailer park at night, and you meet. Trailer trash queen, I guess his mommy. Um, oh my gosh, this is so stereotypical. Uh, you know, she's got this tight little dress on, and she's way too old for it. And you know, and then <laughs> insult to injury, he's like, "I brought you some dinner. <laughs> it's got a box of KFC. <laughs> Tear that skin off of me, honey. You know, <laughs> never touch it." <laughs> okay. This might actually be the most character-defining uh, moment that we got this episode. Because I felt like there was some real creepy stuff going on with Mom. Oh, the yeah. back rubbing. I'm touching. The sitting real close, crossing the legs, wearing a nightie, really is what it was. Um, yeah, it was kept saying, you want to stay the night? You can have your old room. You can have your own room, yeah. Which I thought was kind of maybe like code you know, for I don't know, cause maybe she said it three, four times. I'm wondering if she was kind of touchy feely back in the day, or something weird's going on there. Because yeah. she was creepy. Yeah, it was. Mm, it, I was not a fan. Some damaging there. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, and of course, they had to throw in the whole. You know, you get you how you you got some shifts at the restaurant, and he's like, "Oh, not with my carpal tunny, baby." You know, and then he's like, oh, "I thought Bob's gonna let you out the books," and goes, "Don't be talking about that, son, bitch." You know, and then he's he's like, "Oh, you know, I, I'd lose my state check," and uh, oh, I was yeah. like, "Oh, and here we go, another one who's off the government teat." Jeez. Anyway, I'm going to move on. Off the soapbox. Annie and Ray, um, now they're at the house, the crime scene, or what they think is the crime scene, you know, ransacked, all this stuff. Um, They look around, talk about this and that and so on, and then it cuts to them um, in the car leaving the scene. And um, they're going through his calendar uh, right there as they're driving along the wrong. And Bezzarita is, Annie, uh, smoking an e-cigarette. And this is where I have to introduce our new segment for this show, Best Line of the Episode. And this one goes to Ray Valcaro. Uh, he goes, I tried that, but then I felt like I was sucking off a robot or something like that. And I was like, he no, said, he did not just say that. <laughs> he said, a cigarette wouldn't make you feel that way. Or maybe I just felt like I was sucking a robot's dick. Yeah, something like that. And I was like... Yeah, oh my god, <laughs> a little much, but hey, good stuff, good stuff. Um, 
then it goes, cuts back to Frank. Uh, he's talking, I think he's got his lawyer with him, and he's talking to the guy who's handling the land deal that he was supposedly already taking part of. They're walking around, and he basically just checking to make sure his money went through, but he gets the uh, devastating news that Casper never actually made the purchase. Um, also finds out that he was quoted 10, and the guy was only asking 7. Um basically realizes that you know he liquidated all his access and ha- assets and has nothing yeah he pretty much put all of his eggs in one basket for this this is uh the catalyst group so this looks like this may be like the ceo or whatever of the catalyst company because you can see they're walking through like a chemical factory uh having this conversation and stuff and then you know he gets into his nice black ride with his driver and everything like that so I'm assuming this is a high up guy and he was even saying, you know, offer still sands for seven. You know, you can buy it again. Um, which he was like, you know, he obviously has no money. Yeah, he's like, Well sounds like you're a little short. And he goes, I'll get it. I'll get it. Yeah. You know. Then he gets in the car with his lawyer and he's like, you know, he's like, Well, you still have other assets and he goes, No, I don't, you know. The poker room and the house are double mortgaged, you know, basically saying, I'm broke, you know. Yeah. And uh, he tells his driver, he's like, get all our guys, get everybody, da, 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 you know, this person, that person, and so on. Didn't hear the infamous name Nails. I was really expecting to throw that one out there, get Nails, you know, but he didn't do it. So <laughs> looking forward to this character. Hopefully they have something to him. Um, then it comes back to where you have Annie and Ray talking to the mayor. Uh, they're discussing Casper and his case. You know, they're doing questioning. You can tell that... Annie's really hitting the questions, and Ray is just kind of sitting there hoping this gets done quicker and quicker. Yeah, he throws a few questions out there, but they're pretty generic. Um, you know, and they end up discussing a girl named Tasha. You know, any pictures? No. What time do you leave? Well, no, 11, maybe 12. And they're not really getting any clear answers. Um, and you, you see know. who does all the answering. It's oh, yeah. the mayor's. Yeah. I guess that's like the PR guy or something like that. Yeah. You know, he's the one with all the answers. It's almost like they don't trust the mayor, who I'm guessing is just wasted drunk all the time. Oh, Does yeah. he seem like he's wasted? He's always drinking. Yeah. He looks like he's like sweaty and, you know, he's, you know, even in like tense situations, you know, he's kind of just like sloshed. Yeah, and he's a scumbag. You can just tell he's just a, but what a scumbag. What a power dick move to get up and sit behind them. Oh, while they're interviewing I know you. it. Well, you know, and then here's the thing that blew me away with this whole conversation is Bezerides throws him a, you know, throws an anchor at him by telling him, he's like, yeah, you know, this fine town of 95 residents. I mean, he's the mayor of a place of 95. I mean. Right. And it, it looks like it's 95 corrupt individuals. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he's got an office PR guy, this and that, this giant police station, all this stuff for 95 people. Okay, we're from Mississippi. If you have 95 people in your community, you don't have a sheriff. You really don't have a, you know, a police station. You don't have anything. You are handled by the county or a neighboring city, you know, or you're on your own. <laughs> and we, we get a little bit of this later on with uh, Frank and Ray, but they talk about how it's, you remember like Copland? Yeah. You know, it was that small city of nothing but cops. You know, and they kind of just ran the whole thing. It was yeah. almost like a, a mob, um, but of cops, yeah. right? And they did dirty shit, too. This is like they took a small town and 
you know, put all these corrupt people in it, but they made one of them the mayor. They made one of them, you know, whatever, the lieutenant uh, or chief of police, and they put in Ray as their lead detective. Yeah, well, you know, the funny thing is, is you you know it's crap. It's because later in the episode... You find out that the police chief makes three hundred thousand dollars. Three hundred G's. Three hundred G's. I mean, I'm like ninety five residents. <laughs> Hello. Yeah. No. So anyway, uh, all they get wise from the mayor is because Ray's running her out of there. You know, every time they ask a question, he's like, "All right, well, thank you for your time." And she asks another question, he's like, "Thank you for your time." You're running Annie out of there. Um, all they get is Tasha. You know, that's the only clue they can. Which she didn't call him out on either when they got to the car. I was surprised. Yeah, I really thought so too. Yeah. Um, then you see Paul, um, Taylor's character, going over a bunch of documents and some other stuff. And there's infamous sweaty suit. Um, you know, Velcro's other cop buddy, partner, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and make a prediction right now. This guy, I've said this last week, he is involved. I don't know how, why, but he's showing up just enough and talking just a little enough to make me think he is involved in this. Putting that on paper now. But anyway, um, they're talking about this and that and so on, going over this. They discuss GPS. They're talking about his calendar. Um, Paul just suddenly says, i got to go. Sweaty cop has to go. Annie and Ray are talking a little bit, and then uh, Ray's like, I'm going to bounce. And it was just kind of really, really kind of unique how they, you know, they all come together, and then one by one they all just disappear, you know, quickly. It just, I don't know. It didn't seem right. Did you get any vibe out of this? Mm. It just all seemed kind of uncomfortable with each other, mainly. You know, almost like... Nobody wants to talk to anybody. Yeah, nobody wants to take that leap and get too close to any of them or show any kind of weakness or well, I did have one viewer feedback uh, a girl named Carla I'll throw this in here she said that she felt like um, there was a complex that they were being taken the lead of a woman and that that might have been interesting I didn't get that vibe I'm not saying it wasn't um, but you know that's typical you you know four people and the woman's the lead and the other three are like Pfft. You know, not knowing each other. That could be a thing, but I didn't get that vibe. They didn't express it in my view. Yeah, and a, and a weird moment, too, where Paul's talking to Sweatsuit, like you're talking about, talking about going to collect the, the bank records, and one of the guy tellers hitting on him, and, like, he's, he, well, he said, some fag tried to hit on me, and I wanted to punch him out or punch him in his face or something like that. And I was just like, man, it's kind of dark for him. <laughs> you know, I just yeah. didn't. I did. It, I don't know. It kind of came out of nowhere to me, um, and then of course, sweaty guy. He doesn't have much to say. He just kind of pulls his flask out and has another swig. Yeah, he's collecting him bank, doing nothing. Um, then Ray kind of comes back over, um, and he just I guess checking on Annie about the situation, and then she hits him with the uh, uh, these coordinates. Um, they're all north of the city, you know, out of the, out of town. Um, I'm guessing that's a clue because they really don't just touch on that much anywhere else in the entire episode or bring anything to it. Except for at the very end when Annie's partner calls her while she's looking at some of the escort services and stuff like that. And he talks about the uh, the missing girl and talk about her coordinates or whatever. Or where her last phone call was or something like that. Gosh, I can't remember what it was. Yeah. 
there wasn't but, much to it, but I think it was a clue. I same type of deal, yeah, though. I think um, they're giving us stuff here and there subtly. And I'm trying to look for these Easter eggs. You know, I, I really feel like the show is giving us clue because if you go back to first season, you really go back and watch and look. They gave you tons of clues. Um, you just didn't know that they were clues until you realized the ending, you know. And so I'm really trying to look, you know, and, and uh, we had another feedback come in that said that they felt like this whole scene where all of them were in this uh, room with bulletin boards up and like that was like a throwback to the wire a little bit. But uh, to go back and look at the bulletin, maybe you see some things or see something that was a clue. I just didn't see anything. I didn't, nothing that stood out to me like an arrow pointing and there's the guy below it or you know, a piece of information on the wall or something. I didn't see anything. Did you see anything? I mean, nothing yet. Nothing that's like really popped out and like gave me a, you know, really cool theory or at all. You know what I mean? Just you know, little tiny things that you like to think you can piece together, but I think everything's a pretty good reach at this point, you know? Right. I don't know. I don't know. Um, moves forward and you see Ray he goes up to the school and evidently he's looking for his kid um and we meet his ex-wife um pretty girl you know um she's waiting on him and you see what Ray's got in his hand another bag with you know Nikes and a pair of shoes I mean the man in his shoes and uh she basically hits him hits him hard man you know you're a bad guy um, you know, talks about this kid's dad got a beat down and they say it was a cop and, you know, and he kind of denies it, but she knows he's the one who did it. Um, and she says, I'm going to, you know, petition for full custody and supervised visits and you're scaring him, you make him tense and Ray, Ray hits her, you know, like, well, I, you know, we write notes, I've given her a recorder, you know, you know, and she's goes, immediately goes back and goes, well, how much you got back from that? Nothing. You know, and you can just like she, you know, like the show said, you can just see this guy is on complete edge, has nothing to live for, and I guess he's grasping at this as his only, you know, ray of, you know, sunshine or light or anything positive in his life. Which he even makes the comment later. He's like, yeah, this is the only good thing I have in my shitty life. Yeah, and uh, he even admits he said, yeah, I'm a, I'm a bag of shit. You know, I'm a, I'm a dirt bag. You know, just guy. um threatens a paternity test oh, yeah. on him. Oh, yeah, I mean, wow. Like, she knows, you know, we know this that your kid, dude. But that's the thing, is, like, if she, if the paternity test came through, he'd have zero rights to the kid. So, But he brutal. also, in this little dialogue, you find out that he took care of the scumbag that did her wrong, that attacked her. You know what I'm saying? Oh, he where says she's saying, on any law in this land or any under God or like that, I had a right to do what I did. You know, so she knows that he took care of this guy. I'm still waiting to hear some more information on that. I almost hope I see a flashback. Oh, my God. I think that's what we're going to have to see, uh, you know. Uh, you know, which we'll get to those theories. We'll the get end. to that. Yeah. <laughs> what, where Ray's going on this show. Um you know, and then when she walks away, you can just tell he's a shattered man. There ain't much holding him together. You know, God, I don't I mean, think there was much holding him together beforehand. Well, you know, like he says, you know, this job's all he is. You know, I don't have this. I am nothing. You know, so I thought that was yeah. And he's in no a lot. He's in no mood to like find another woman or settle down again. You know, he just uh, he's broken. You yes, know? very broken. 
Um, here's another crazy turn in the show. Uh, this is where we have the little fender bender under the highway. <laughs> and this guy gets out and he's like, oh, I can't believe some bastard just, you know, rear-ended me. Da, da, da. And then they beat the dog piss out of this fella. Yeah. Two big old guys. And one of them said something to him, but it didn't have much consequence to it. And uh, and then Frank just nonchalantly walks over with his stunner shades. And he's like, yeah, I, I can't believe that happened. And the way he's talking to him is so facetious. You know, and... I, you know, I didn't know if he was trying to get an ally or let him know that, you know, he was, you know, I'm in charge, I rule. It was so wishy-washy with this little conversation and dialogue happened. I, I, I hated this part. This was the one part of the show I was just like, okay, you beat this guy up, you help him up, but then you'd be all sarcastic and facetious with him and walk away with no clear point or intent and you have no information about who we just talked about or beat up. And I was like, what, what What? What did this serve? Okay, this scene had me a little confused at first because, first off, the two guys I get out, I'm pretty sure had Russian accents um, when they talked to them. Yeah, one of them was not a local. So when I heard it, I was like, oh, this is some Ossip's crew, and they're doing something to somebody. But then when you see Frank walk over and start his spiel, I think basically just to kind of unnerve the guy, you know, because he was kind of laying it on thick with innuendo towards the end there. Um, I think the guy was aware basically at the end that, oh, this is the one, you know, that caused this. But it was all staged really weird because was Frank just walking down the street following this car on the opposite side of the road, knowing that they would rear end him at this perfect point? And then he could walk over and stuff. I was like, hold on. Yeah. Or did he run out of the Yukon to the other side of the road? Yeah. After they hit. I mean, was it not? It was really weirdly staged. That's why this was just part of the episode. I was like, yeah, yep. Yeah, this was a blew it. His whole dialogue, the way he talked, the way it was set up, it came with no consequence. You learned nothing. You got nothing out of it other than. You know, you must have pissed somebody off. You better watch what you're doing. So just, this is Casper's, like, accountant or something? I don't know. I don't either. I mean, I got nothing. I watched it twice, and I never, I mean, I must have just missed it. I mean, unless I'm just like. I must have, too, because I, I wasn't sure. I mean, I know they were, you know, they discussed a couple things, but. I don't know. But this was the part that lacked in the episode to me. It uh, goes to Ray and Annie, and they head to the clinic. This is Casper's shrink or psych, whatever you want to call him. Uh, and they meet up with this really, really strange fellow who is wearing sunglasses in the office. Uh, throws out the whole confidentiality. Da, da, da. And of course, Annie throws it. No living relatives was, you know, murdered. Ray has to say, well, you know, his eyes were burned out. I mean, just the guy starts talking. Never takes his glasses off and you know, toward until the end. And I just, this felt like another thing we need to be paying more attention to. There's more to it. This guy could be a, a player, involvement. You get any of that vibe like I did? Okay, first off, this place is enormous. Yeah. This is a rich spot, you know, with secretaries and his own plastic surgery wing 
inside his office. Um, and with the women we've seen with scars on their face and, you know, the fact that there's some girls missing and, you know, you obviously look in there, there's some girls getting some work done on their face. I'm, I'm starting to think maybe if this guy's the one taking the girls, maybe for practice or something, you know, I don't know. Um, there's some definitely darted motives going on. Yeah, I think maybe this guy's a little creepy. I mean, he, or not creepy. No he's very creepy. It. He's creepy. Uh, but I'm saying, I don't. I can't tell if he's on the up and up yet, you know. Yeah. And then the conversation ends with him knowing um, Bezzeridi's dad, Elliot, mm-hmm. and discussing, you know, that life. And she hits him hard with, yeah, I grew up with five kids. Two committed suicide. Two are In incarcerated. In jail. And he goes, what happened to the fifth? And he goes, became a detective, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, but it makes me think that her dad, you know, why have we heard about him two episodes in a row? Well, I mean, we saw him in the first episode. Um, well, I mean, do you think it's just a kind of, it's just more layering of her backstory or do you think he's incorporated in the overall story? Oh, I definitely think he's going to have more to do with the story. Um, even if it's only for her character moments. Um, but, you, you know, you right now... Na- yeah, you don't put that kind of actor in that position and use him for a ten mi- less than 10 minutes in the entire series. Right. And what is this guy teaching these people where two of them are in jail and two commit suicide? And one of them completely loathes her father and her sister's in porn and had a drug abuse problem. Yeah, whatever he's teaching is not working out real well. Yeah, out maybe... There. Overly free spirits I got here. <laughs> yeah. But they also, before we move on a little bit, they also dig into Casper's kind of sexual Well, yeah, they, they talk things. about how he feels guilty and ashamed and he has these, you know, moments where he, you know, falls or submits to his lust and um, like certain girls and different things. Yeah, I, I got all that. Um, there was some good little extra details. But you find out that... He was getting better that he wasn't seeing as me, um, but also that he's a passive, that he's appears to be a submissive, yeah. maybe, you know, into like some kind of bondage, I guess, or something like that. And maybe he just gets dominated by these women. Well, it's true. I mean, because if you go back to his autopsy, one detail I didn't mention is they did say that he did have bound marks on his wrists. Right. And so there is some possibility there. Well, and they also said across his, his stomach area, too, they were like, vinyl straps with buckles I think is what they said and that he was hung upside down and you see later in the episode one of those was it like a Chinese shag swing or something like that oh yeah well, you see it at the house you know right that little apparatus there in the room correct so yeah I mean that's true it definitely you know it's connecting the dots you know right showing but different things. also leads me to believe that maybe you put two and two together that Maybe the girl he went to go see was the missing girl from the first episode. And she had him tied up at that house or whatever. And then Ravenhead come in and did his business. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and maybe that's why a girl's still missing. Maybe she's still alive. Um, it could be your witness, you know, or of some kind. True, true. So that's the only part right now that I've put together as a possible thin, gotcha. you know, possibility for me. Gotcha. Um, cuts to Frank, 
um, visiting the mayor's office, gives him a little envelope of cash, lets him know he's a little short. The mayor's like, you know, I guess I'll have to move some interest elsewhere. He's like, are you really going to bust my balls over ten grand? And, you know, I've been doing this for six years, and uh, I took care of that strike. I took care of the accident. I took care of your kid. He had enough uh, coke on his face. He looked like he was uh, (laughs) a powdered clown or something like that. (laughs) I was like, that is hilarious. And... uh, See, these are the better moments for Frank, I feel like. When he gets worked up and can talk about something, I think this is classic Vaughn, you know. But, once again, the mayor, just a... Slime ball. Just sleazebag. Yeah, and he's like, you know, appreciate you, but, you know, I have to look at interest. And he tells him, you know, you got the poker room, so I guess we'll get some outside interest into that. He's like, what kind of outside interest, you know? And uh, really busting his nuts on this deal. And uh, he tells him, you know, as you're, as you know, I want a shot at this guy. If we find him, you know, any more news? And he's like, yeah. And as he's walking away, he goes, you know, that's going to be 15 next week. 2250 is what he says. Well, yeah, he says it 15. And then after that, it's going to be 2250. And if you can't produce, we're going to go to interest elsewhere. And Frank's like, yeah, no, okay. You know, so I mean, he's really jacking the price up for just missing one payment. So, is my math right? $15,000. A week? Well, he was giving him ten grand. What I got a week, I guess is what. He no, he said he was ten grand short. Maybe so. I don't know. I, are you busting my balls over ten grand? Maybe I don't know. Maybe yeah, he was ten short. I don't know. Or the ten was the price. But he says, he, you know, when he's, he's walking, he says it's going to go up. It's going to be fifteen next week, and then twenty two and twenty two five the next. But see, I, I thought it was more or less. You know, he was saying. Make up what you forgot this week, next week, which is basically add ten grand on top of whatever it is you normally pay me. So right. what have been twenty two fifty would then be twelve fifty, right? Yeah. So let's assume it's twelve thousand five hundred dollars a week he's supposed to pay this guy. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Which my God, twelve five a week? That's big dollars. Yeah, mayor's doing all right for himself for ninety-five residents. Man, I'd keep that. But it's got a political casino. office myself. <laughs> yeah, no joke. Um, you know, he's like nobody muscles me. We don't take threats, that kind of stuff. He makes you know, there's some good dialogue here. Uh, goes back to Ray and Annie here in the car discussing different different theories. And Ray has another cool little line, you know, if there's no flies, then you can't fly fish, you know. You ever heard the theory of the fly and the honey? And, um, and then, of course, he hits you with the whole the theme of the entire season. Uh, we get the world we deserve, you know. Um, and, you know, talking about how everything's changed and going to pot and, you know, the world. Um, you know, they talk a little bit about background and different things. And then... You know, Annie moves in direction to where she starts discussing, um, you know, her life and who she is and why, you know, you know, I'm I'm the one species of the two or what she got of humans. I'm the lesser because a man can kill a woman. You know, his bare hands. You know, uh, but then she goes, you know, any any guy who puts his hands on me, he's gonna bleed out in a minute. You know, which I thought was a little cheese ball when she said it. Little cheesy, little cheesy. But I like her. You know her mindset of why, because he asked her why you. What's with all the knives? 
And she basically said, because of the two species, I'm the one that could get killed, you know, right. by the other. Yeah, I mean, she, she, I guess she's throwing her scientific points out there, but still, it's 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 definitely a little much, you know. Yeah, and for her feminist outlook to say that, you know, basically she could not overpower a man because she's a woman kind of surprised me because I know Ronda Rousey have a thing to do or say about that. Yeah, oh, there's no doubt. Oh, Ronda would take care of business. On that. Yeah, she'd be snapping arms left and yeah. right. Uh, uh, um, and then Ray gets out of the car and she's like, with a little honesty here, and goes, well, since we're talking honesty, let's go ahead and say, how compromised are you? And Ray just kind of has this long pause. Have a good night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Night. <laughs> Door closed. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And, uh, uh, I get that, you know, him not saying anything spoke more than anything he would say. So, in my mind, you know, it kind of lets you know right there. You know, yeah, it's insulting, but it also, there's no denying. There's no nothing. What do you mean? Da, 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 da. Good night. Yeah, and I, I got to say, this was the first time since, you know, season one, where you got a little car ride dialogue that I really enjoyed. Um, like I said, there's a little tiny bit of cheese in there, but this is the first time I saw, you know, two passengers in the car, you know, spitting back at each other, you know, kind of reminiscent of oh, yeah. Marty one. and Rust, yeah. you know. The, the whole dialogue back to back, yeah. Questioning each other, hating each other one moment, liking each other another moment, yeah. yeah. Uh, it cuts away to Paul. He's in his apartment. I guess it's his apartment, or it's his apartment with that girl's at. And he's, you know, and girl walks in, throws an iPad down about the story about him, you know, supposedly soliciting a blowjob to get out of a ticket. And he just says it's ultimately just a great load of horseshit. And and uh, didn't tell her because he didn't want to think about it. Exactly, you know. And she makes a reference to Black Mountain security. And he immediately cuts her off and says, you know, I don't discuss the desert. I don't discuss that, you know, or da-da-da-da-da. And it just gets real tense or some ugly word, you know. And basically, she's like, I can't see anymore. You just need to get out and go. Da-da-da. And he keeps saying, this isn't me. This is you. This isn't me. This is you. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with me. Yeah, this is all you. This is all you. And, you know, yeah. and I'm not digging he's valuing the relationship at all. Let's kind of like, you know. Well, I'm not sure he is emotionally capable of yeah. a relationship. Well, I will tell you, there is a theory and feedback that might explain all this, and then we're going to save that. And I'm telling you, this guy Drew, he sent it. He's got the goods. And I think he's on point. Okay. All right. Uh, goes back to where Frank is at his club. I'm guessing this is the poker room. I guess this is when he, everybody keeps calling it the poker room. This is the place you keep finding him. Uh, you know. Um, Maybe. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. This is a club that he gave up. This is Frank at the club. This is where all the dancers and the girls are. Right. Uh, He meets up with a, you can definitely tell, this heavy set fella uh, who's definitely the boss of this joint and uh, wants to talk to a few of the girls. Maybe they know that any of them have been frequent to Casper. And they do. One fun talks about how she, uh, you know, knows and frequents him, goes to the same house in Hollywood. And uh, she knows exactly where it is, you know, and it's a big clue, you know, uh, a big opening. And you notice every time she speaks, she looks at him first to say, it's okay to talk. It's okay to talk. It's okay, you know. Oh, he's a big pimp. That's what he is. And um, with his nice grill. Yeah. Did it it, it say? It says F you. Yeah, I mean, F you basically. (laughs) I I saw the wow you at the end, but I I don't know. When I was looking, I couldn't catch the shadow. Um, Interesting. 
Yeah. <laughs> class, class, class. Yeah, classy. <laughs> anyway, um, it cuts away to Annie calling Hollywood um, police, you know, talking about she wants to speak to a certain detective, sergeant, and like that. And it goes to a voicemail, like, message. Leave a message for if you'd like to talk to the task force. And da, da, da. And, uh, and then she's on the computer, and she's... You could, you know, so a lot of the feedback said that she was looking at porn because she was an addict. Something I'm kind of like with you. I think she was looking at escort services. Maybe she could find something that was a clue towards what Casper was doing. Is that more what you were thinking, or do you think she was just, you know, eyeballing porn to see if she found her sister? Because when I was looking at the pictures, I was looking for like the glittery hair picture of her sister. No, I think it was. I think that she was just doing research, trying to figure out maybe local escort services or you know, a local sex scene or something like that. I mean, obviously there were some videos of some raunchy shit on there and she seemed a bit captivated by it. Oh yeah. So we already know she has some kind of, she's got a weird fetish of something of some kind that she, her boyfriend or whoever that guy was, was surprised by. So we'll see, you know, what all this kind of comes to. She are, you know, she's an alcohol problem. It looks like, and she was gambling at the time. So maybe she has a gambling problem. Maybe she's just addicted to a lot of things. She's got an e-cigarette. Probably was a cigarette smoker. So, you know, and judging by her sister, who was an addict too, and all the people that come out of that church from her father all have problems. So, I mean, being a sex addict or something like that wouldn't surprise me. Right. Um, Then she talks to her partner, calls Elvis, you know. Elvis. And that's why we talk about the checking on the girls and the you know, and the coordinates stuff like that. We get a little more out of that situation. Um, and then it moves on to where you see Paul. He's out there drinking and smoking a cigarette on the balcony of what looks to be a, a you know low class hotel or motel, whatever he is. And he's watching um, these cars go by with escorts outside. And, um, you know, you see a guy get out of a car. He's sitting there. Another one comes in. He gets in, and they move on. And he's just sitting there watching. And then it moves on again. Um, fr- it shows Frank back at his bar. This is the Parker Room part, and this is where um, you know he's with Ray, and they're talking. And uh, you know, they you know they swap some evidence around, talking about what's going on here, who's what there. Um, and Ray gives him, I'm sorry, uh, Frank gives him the address of this Hollywood house where Casper was frequent with these girls, you know. And uh, you can see there's some bitter dialogue, like, I'm tired, I don't want to do this, I'm out, da 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 you know. And It's just, like he says, he says, the one reason I was doing all this might be taken from me, which is his son. It's the only reason why he does this kind of crap. You know, for his connections, like with that lawyer, um, and I'm assuming for the money to right. help his son, and you know, it's basically all he has is this job, and he's telling him, you know, he's like, you know, this I don't want to do this anymore, you know, and this is where he offers him the chief yeah, of police like, I'm, role. I'm looking out for you. You're you're gonna be a chief soon. Three K yeah. and da 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 da. You can buy anything. And get you a good lawyer. Get that kid back and. Yeah, and he's really telling him. It thick. He's telling him you don't want that, you know, and but kind of in a threatening way. Don't let me hear you talk like that again. Yeah, you exactly. know. And then throw some cash at him, you know. And uh, yeah, was, like a hundred dollar bill. 
yeah. you know, just to pay for his drink and whatever. But I got to be honest. I mean, with Ray at the end of his rope, I was kind of surprised he didn't like pull his brass knuckles out and give him a couple. Yeah. You know, well, I still think he needs him, you know, like you said, because he hasn't completely lost, so he hasn't given up everything. Yeah, I know. I think if he, if he, if he knew that the crap was gone and there's no chance at his kid, yeah, I think he'd bust him up, you know? Yeah. Um, then this is another thing. Like you just mentioned earlier in the episode, we're talking about this scarred girl just suddenly walks up and starts talking. Mm-hmm. You know, um, she can definitely tell she's into Ray. He ain't into nothing. And uh, yeah, um, but chick's got some wicked scars on her face. Uh, what do we? I don't I know anything about this. You got any any details you can think of? Not really. I can't necessarily place what the scarring is. It almost looks like a skin graft on one side, like a like you know an extra piece of skin was laid on her cheek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. And. Uh, so I don't know. I'm not real sure. You know, I can tell she's kind of reaching out, you know, and, and you know, has a thing for him and can tell he's tired and is wasting away, it seems like, and wants to get him out of there. But um, but with her scars and the way she talks, almost like she has a little bit of a seedy past, too, you know? Yeah, you know, and on these kind of shows, especially True Detective, I feel like they show you characters for a purpose, not just as filler. And so I don't know her having that huge scarred face and so like that. I wonder if that is some kind of clue or some kind of symbol or something that is going to have payoff later. I don't know. I'm just kind of storing that in the back of my mind and it could be a connection to something down the road. I just don't know. And the fact that she's Latin and the missing girl is a Latin and you know, I mean, that may have nothing to do with it. But, yeah. you know, two Hispanic girls, you know, one's got scars and one's missing. Yeah. Uh, you know, did you you notice in that scene right there, it was that same depressing-ass singing. Oh, you yeah. Know, it was atrocious. Yeah. I see him now, going back to that. Now, I will give you a shout-out. Colin Farrell was the, uh, you know, Ray's character was drinking him a Modelo. And I am a fan of Modelo Negro. It is a fine beer um <laughs> of course i like the dark beer it's it's a little smoother richer and uh so just a little shout out for that Madonello negro if you want to try that today uh and no we are not sponsored um <laughs> anyway um then it leads to the show's about to wrap up you see ray get out of his car in the middle of the night he closes the door quietly looks around and then proceeds to walk towards what we understand is this house in hollywood then it flashes. You see the black caddy behind him. At this moment, I'm sitting up in my couch going, oh, shit, what's about to happen? Before he gets to the house, I okay, know I something didn't, big. I didn't even out. notice that. I didn't uh, even notice the black Cadillac. Oh, my God. Yeah, it flashed it. And I, I stopped, paused it, rewound, and rewound like that. And I said, yep, there's the car that carried Casper. And I was like, Ray's going to walk into something. You know, we're going to get something real juice. I'm looking at the time on my DVR and realizing we got less than five minutes. Um, yeah, we're going to get a big, big, you know, shot in the arm of whatever this show is going. And so, of course, you see him goes to this door. He breaks in. Man, Ray can break in some doors no problem, can he? Dude's good. Um, comes in, pulls over his, uh, his side piece, his side arm. 
walks in there and there you see it there's this room there's masks on the wall there's blood stain on the the, uh, floor a radio's going forget mask how creepy was the taxidermy in this place i mean so you call it taxidermy i think those are masks you think one was missing oh there's a raven mask person that's right i'm telling you this is the room did you notice the wall that was not wallpaper that was soundproofing Oh, I noticed the soundproofing. And I was like, oh, shit. This is going to get real in here. You know, and I thought it was genius that he didn't turn the radio off. He walked over there, and they showed that there was a camera, a hidden camera behind a mirror door, and, you know, and it was motion activated, and, you know, the whole nine yards. And then you see it. You see something move in the background, and my wife looked at me and goes, he's not alone, he's not alone. And he goes to pull his piece, and boom, the 12-gauge goes off. And, of course, there you see a guy in a solid black suit. He's got a raven face mask. And, you know, I paused it. And this is, you know, there was a little part of me thinking that the dirty, sweaty cop may be the bad guy in this, all this. But this guy is slimmer build. He's not heavy set. He's not fat nasty like this Joker. And so on. Um, gloves. You know, full suit, the Raven mask, which is trippy looking, you know. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, pump shotgun. And Ray falls, you know, and I slow-moed this part. And I hope this is not spoilers for anybody, but I didn't see any blood. Okay. I looked back, nothing on the wall, nothing here, you know. And, you know, I just didn't. I thought that may be a detail, you know. And then, of course, you see the guy walk up to him and then puts another round in his, into his body. And you see Colin shake from getting shot, you know. And um, and then it cuts away, and that's the credits. Um, you know, tons of feedback on the last 30 seconds of the show. I swear, it's like nobody really had a whole lot to talk about about the rest of the show. Everybody wants to talk about Ray and Colin Farrell's character. Which is and understandable. So, and... Um, here's this is the exact you know prognosis of this situation all right here's some here's some clues to what i think is what's really going on here okay all right does colin farrell sign up for two shows episodes no so i think he's still alive didn't see any blood so do we say he has a vest on possible Mm. thin but possible okay do we want a Colin Farrell character who's in a hospital bed the rest of the season? Don't see Definitely that either. Not. Definitely not. And so the most the two the, the two ways this goes is is that he does have a vest on, or and he's end up becoming a character again in this show, or he's dead. I just don't see him being. But here's the other clue, you know, and this this was in the preview, okay, and. And I will talk about that clue about the preview because we discussed it separately. It's kind of spoiler. But there was another clue in the preview that he's not dead. Okay. But there's also clues in the preview that make you think he is dead. So it's kind of both and both. So I will tell you that when we do that spot at the end. What do you think? Is he dead? I'm going to say no. And some of that's from a... I can't say spoiler knowledge, but... Just something I saw in the trailer before the season started. Um, and we'll get to that towards the end of the, se- towards the, end of the episode, which right. we're here, rapidly here. approaching, but still. Right. Uh, but no, I'm with you. 
I didn't see blood. Even when he put the nasty one right into the middle of his, you know, body cavity, you know, it, it tore his shirt apart and stuff like that. But I didn't see blood either. Um, I don't think he's dead. I don't, and I would really, really sad if he is because, to me, he's the most interesting character. I agree with you. I, I but hey, you know, this could be why True Detective is so good. Is that what a curveball to kill your most interesting character by second episode? Mm-hmm. You know, um, that would be a first. And wow, you know. But like I said in the very beginning, I do not think all four characters will make it. You know, and if they've already killed him off, well, I'm going to go ahead and, you know, brush some stuff off my shoulders a little bit and tell you, I, you know, I told you so, but I don't want him to be gone. And, you know, of the four, I, he was probably the least I wanted to see go in a situation. So I don't know. Now, the other thing we could say here is is that, you know, they could do like the first season where there's this huge tide, time jump. You know, because you remember, you know, they have their moment, they find this, da, 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 and then they come back years later. So maybe he's shot, maybe he's intensive care, maybe he is alive, but he's useless, and then we have a huge time jump like the first season. I don't know. I don't see him playing the same trick twice. Yeah, I don't see it either. It is a thin possibility. That was mentioned in feedback by name Carl, I think. He said that, you know, hey, the first one had a big time jump. Maybe this would explain how Ray survives, if he does survive. Or so on, and I, and I said, and I told, I emailed Carl back, and I said, I think it's a solid theory. I don't necessarily agree because I don't think they'll do the exact same story again, but I think it uh, is a solid point, you know. So thank you, Carl. Um, but like several other feedbacks, there was a girl named Annie, um, like the show, and like Carla had several good comments, and they they think he's dead. They think that's just that show giving the wow factor. And moving on and narrowing the scope of characters to make it more more interesting and get more in depth with them and into the plot. Uh, I could see points there. I just I just don't see them getting rid of the you know one of the two stronger actors. Yeah. Question: Who do you think the highest paid actor is on the show? I don't know. I'm just saying. Who do you think? Um. <clears throat> I mean, I'd say it's either Colin Farrell or Richard McAdams. Yeah, I think if you were, this show needs a really strong female lead. So I'm going to say that McAdams is probably, but it ain't by much if she is. No, I'm I'm sure. As a matter of fact, their contracts all maybe worked out to where they all get paid the same. It's very possible. Uh, if of all the th- of all four, I would think Taylor would probably be the cheapest to get, but that's just my opinion. Uh, maybe I don't I mean, know. Vince couldn't gonna... be taking a pay hit just so he could get into a real spot, you know. Well, that's the thing too is you know you got to assume that people uh, do negotiate a little bit to get opportunities like this, right? You know, so, but let's move into feedback, man. I'm let's ready. go into feedback, and man, I'm going to go ahead and hit you with what I thought was an excellent prediction, and I am fully on board. Drew uh, commented it in, and I'm going to go ahead and hit you with this right now. He says, stamp it, write it in clay, put it on steel, whatever. Taylor Kitsch's character, Paul Woodrow, is gay. And that the reason we have the blue pill is to be stimulated uh, in something he doesn't want to do. He is wanting to, he enjoys his job. Whatever happened at the desert and war and da-da-da-da, this is all 
him struggling with his internal problems, his own demons, uh, he not accepting. He believes that as well as the evidence of him standing on the balcony and watching male escorts going in and out of cars and, enjoy, you know, drinking and contemplating. He says all that is an evidence that his theory is is Taylor Kitsch's character is actually closet gay. And I got to tell you, when you put all the evidence he gave in, in a row, and it's, it's looking strong. It is looking real strong. Okay, but what will that do for the story? I think it does nothing for the story. You know, I think, if anything, it just is show, it's just a conflicted character struggling with his own problems. And we don't know it yet. But we don't know what happens. He doesn't talk about what happened in the desert. I mean, you, you said it. The guy was hitting on him. I got yeah, he, he almost... It almost came out of nowhere to where he was like, yeah, I hate gays. Exactly. Like he's trying to prove he's in a masculine job. Right. He, he doesn't want anybody to think differently. I mean, he's got a smoking hot girlfriend. He doesn't get aroused on without taking a pill. He's watching dudes service dudes in cars, which we think. We don't know. You don't see who the drivers are. But just a guy escort getting out of the, in and out of those cars while he's watching the balcony. He's drinking and smoking and watching this. It has nothing to do with the case. Let's go ahead and be honest with ourselves. Like you said, he makes the random comment about the bank teller. I think uh, – I won't discuss what happened at the desert. You know, Maybe I'm, it was something where he got those scars because some – other members of the platoon caught him with another man, another Possible. soldier. Yeah, and some objection or whatever. There's no telling. But I think Drew is on point. I think Drew has hit the nail on the head. I am sold. Uh, I'm in the Drew camp. The guy's got a point. I think we're gonna. I think he's gonna unravel. We're gonna find out that he, uh, you know, he's closet. You know, or you know, he's fighting that demon, or what he considers a demon. That he he would rather have the job. Like you said, his mother evidently. Was, Something happened to him. And there's a good reason. If you had that in your house and she was fondling you or how about that, that might turn you away from women. Absolutely. Might be some emotional scars, might be some issues. Yeah, definitely. So um, kudos to Drew on that. I think uh, he says that's what he feels like that character's going and uh, go from there. So, um, And we had some other stuff. Um, I mean, I'll say, like I said, I came in with some feedback mainly from Twitter posts. But it's all, like you said, it's all about the last 30 seconds. You know, you get a lot of, really? No way. You know, you get True Detective just go Game of Thrones on us. And, <laughs> you know, are they throwing in uh, a death of a main character for shock value? You know, thinking that Pizzolatto's kind of reaching. And my my theory is that Ray's not dead. So... In a way, I, I, I'm not going to judge, you know, shock factor or, or, you know, is this Game of Thrones style killing of a character you like or any of that kind of stuff because we don't know what's going to happen next. I will say with his death or with his possible death, um, how does he survive? Taylor's were shotgun blasts for real. Not bulletproof vest, whatever. Or even if he had a bulletproof vest. You think Raven Mask wouldn't have noticed that he was in a bulletproof vest? And he wouldn't finish the job? Or would he have just left the body there? Would he just leave? You know. 
Yeah. There's that, conflicting parts on both sides that make you think, well, it could be this way. Well, it could also be this way. Me, personally, if you walk over there and put another blast in somebody, you're there to finish the job. Absolutely. And let's let's think this through. Who knew that he was headed over to the house? Who all had the information that Ray has? Well, the only people who knew about the house, of course, was the escort, the pimp, Ray. And... And did Ray have any of his crew with him when he was at the the club? Well, the escort, the pimp, Frank. Oh, yeah, Frank. I mean, and Frank's Ray. right-hand man. And, and, and Ray. And Ray. So was it just a coincidence that they both showed up at the house? Or did somebody talk to Ravenhead and tell him he'd be there? It kind of points the finger at Frank a little bit. You know, I don't know. I mean... The way the car was there, it makes you it makes you think the car pulled up behind him or was already there. And the car, I want to go with coincidental. I don't. I didn't see any character pulling strings. I don't know. You could say somebody in Frank's crew is behind some of this. You know, like he knew the money was going this way and that he was liquid on the deal, and that by killing Casper. He would be able to get that money, um, and then he would know Frank's every move because he's on his crew to be able to try to find it. Uh, and if he knew that they there was a house in Hollywood where you had had, had killed Casper and you, he was giving the address to a cop, I'd be sitting there waiting on the cop to show <laughs> up and then blow him away, you know, and then end that. So there, you can look at it that way. That's a plausible theory. Do I like it? No. Um, do I see one of his henchmen or his right hand man and like that being the mastermind of this? No, but it could be. I mean, remember Frank was insulting his right hand man in the very beginning while he was at the casino, talking about everybody can be touched. He's a political official. Da 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 da. You know, maybe that guy right there is the ultimate mastermind. We and from the get go, we we look at him as he was as an idiot, but realistically, he's been pulling the strings since day one. Yeah, I mean, and Frank, the whole episode is also talking about, do you think it's somebody else trying to muscle their way in, you know, to his position? So that got me thinking about Ossip and his possibility of trying to remove Frank completely. You know? Ossip looks like the kind of guy that if you wanted Frank gone, he would just kill him. He doesn't look like somebody who would put a mask on and do these things. Or, you know what I mean? Like, it's, there's... There's there's so many facts out there that go in so different directions, you know. Uh, is the mask because it's convenient? Did you walk in and shoot him in the nuts and like that to throw you off the allure that he was, you know, to make it seem personal when it was business related or vice versa? There's just so much mm-hmm. information throwing directions and you know in every which way and. Every you know, we're only two episodes in, and they, we already have conflicting ideas of who where they could go or possibilities. So, um, you know, there's no telling. You know, that's I, good. We, we that's good. We've been totally off base. Yeah, but I think it's good in the show's you know light because this is kind of the best part of season one was trying to figure out who the Yellow King was, and now we're going to try to figure out who the Ravenhead dude is, right? And who's pulling the strings, you know, right? 
there in some feedback we had two a couple emails over Stacy uh, Stacy was like did y'all notice that uh, I think there was a mask missing you know when I first watched the episode Stacy I thought they were just uh, taxidermy but I went back and they were just heads and you know there was an angle where it kind of looked like they were all masks um, you know I, I did notice it on the second watch um, and then there was uh, what do you call it Steve he said um, don't think that was the same black caddy um you know i think this is a henchman for someone it's all related i didn't get that i went back and looked it looks like the exact same black you know car to me i don't i don't see why they would show a different one i think that's what's the symbolism is there steve uh see another one um angela um says that she thinks rachel mcadams is uh taking stealing the show uh she thinks she's by far the top when it comes to acting and development of a story and making just an ultimate badass. And, uh, I mean, I agree with that a little bit, Angela. I think that they've definitely propelled her as one of the, um, a really good, you know, character in the show. You know, she's going to be the show now if, uh, Velcro really is toast. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Yeah. I, I still give it to Colin Farrell so far. If he's not, toast obviously like you say yeah i hope he's on on the slab next week you know that would be a that'd be a tough pill to swallow well i'll tell you what let's uh let's move into the preview and let's talk about it yeah i'm with you um well i'll tell you guys we're gonna we're gonna call that on this regular episode um and we'll have a three second pause and then go right into the preview breakdown uh, a little more theory evidence and um and then uh, talk about what the next show's title is and where we think we're going with that. And, uh, so if you want to hang around for it, great. But if not, this uh, this was Bleed TV, and I'm Zach. And I'm Jake. And uh, we'll see you next week. All right, the preview breakdown. Um, so the first thing that happens up, uh, you see, is uh, Annie and Paul Woodrow are now together. Um, they're walking up to this really nice, large mansion estate. Um, and you find out through the rest of the preview, this is the mayor's, you know, estate, you know, mansion. Um, and then it cuts away to where you see Annie asking, um, Lieutenant, you know, the white guy in the suit from, uh, Vinci PD, Ray's Lieutenant, uh, why are you at my crime scene? And this is where, this is one of those key pieces of evidence that makes me think that Ray's still alive. He says he gets um, shot. He goes, well, killed. one of my officers was shot. I'm going to be on the scene. He doesn't say well, my officer was killed or, you know, or homicide or any of those key words that I think would be more appropriate if he was dead. Right. Um, so this was one of the biggest clues that he's still alive. However, if you watch the full preview, you never see Ray Valcaro. Which so, I think is... It's all intentional. Yeah. yeah. I mean, of course, you know, you, you, they're not going to show you a scene of him in the hospital, you know, going through surgery or nothing. You know, they're they're going to they're gonna make you drool and, you know, and want to know, want to know, want to know. So, um, and then it goes to where you see Annie asking questions to a woman and you, you hear in the background, it's the mayor's wife and then her son. What? A douche. Look, the son <laughs> is not far from dad. Got him the silk robe, the gold chain, perfectly cut hair. The wife looks like she's a coked out hooker from the 70s or 80s. 
Um, you know, it's so, so stereotypical, you know, of a dirty scumbag mayor and yeah, his influence yeah. is untouchable. You know? Yeah, this is just the his so called wife. This is they haven't been faithful in many a year. Yeah. I mean this is not the girl he was grabbing ass with at the party no. in the first episode. No. No. You know, uh, it was, uh, um, you know, and then you, you you see the mayor all pissed off, and he goes, "Besserini, you know, is going to walk the plank, you know." And, yeah, uh, I think you could muscle me through my wife or something yeah, like yeah, that, harassing my wife and asking my son questions, and da da da. She's going to walk the plank, and I was just like, <laughs> so definitely stirring up the hornet's nest, the, right. the Vinci's finest, you know. Um, then it cuts away where you see Frank and you show the face and he says this is too big to walk away from you know basically like he's going to be involved he's got to find his way he's going to find his money you know dime every stinking dime like you said in the whole episode and uh, then it shows this is fast cutaway of like a tow truck going by blowing its horn and then you see Bezzarides pulling her piece out like she's going to shoot at something and uh, she's definitely it looks like she's making some headway and some things are going on um, and then there was this really kind of a throwback to season one where it was kind of like the, sh- the camera view makes you feel like you're the eyes of a person laying on the ground and Frank and his crew of minions three or four guys are walking up and looking down at you and it makes me feel like in the next episode we're going to have a scene where, you know, they're beating the crap out of somebody or trying to get information out of somebody, and this is the posse that's overbearing on whoever this person is from this camera view. And I really like the shot. You know, it makes mm-hmm. you like you're in that moment. Um, I thought that was pretty neat. Um, you, you hear people, you know, there's a, there's some dialogue while they're walking up and looking at them. It. It isn't how it has to be. Um, they're coming after me, and then you see like Frank gives somebody like a, a headbutt, or you know, like a, and it starts hollering, "Who?" You know, and uh, so I think we're definitely going to see a lot more with him. You know, kind of reverting to his old habits. Yeah, exactly, going back to his muscle and where he gained his power and who he is, and. And I'm looking forward to it. I, I, I'm hoping he makes up for some deficits from the last episode. Absolutely. Um, and then you see uh, Annie running away from a car that's burst into flames. Like the entire inside of it. Maybe it was a car bomb. Maybe it was a Molotov. Maybe it was something. But she's definitely in the thick of something. And it ain't good. You know, We're seeing episodes of her at night pulling the pistol, tow trucks going by, running away from a car that's blowing up or burning up or however you want to look at it. And it's just, you know, maybe we're going to get some real meat off the bone this next episode. I'm hoping, you know, people getting too close maybe, you know, and they're trying to wipe them out. Right. Um, then it shows a scene where Paul's talking to somebody. I don't really get a good picture of his face. Um, you know if even his commentary was real vague. Um, if you want to get over something down to the finest detail, um, you have to you know you have to go down to every fine detail, and this ain't the way. 
and I swear this goes back to that theory from Drew that I think we're going to get some kind of conversation where he's talking to somebody from his past, you know, like when he talks about the desert and the Black Mountain, you know, security or whatever that stuff is. I think whoever he was talking to right there, we're going to get more information to his backstory about who he was, what he's struggling with, what happened in his past to why he's messed up, you know. And I think we're really going to get some good taste of that because we've gotten little bits of him. We've got a lot on Annie. We've got a ton on Ray. We've got plenty on Frank. He's the one who's lacking the most. And like you said, that trailer park scene with his, his mom was so telling on a lot of things, but it wasn't as much as others. So I think next episode we're going to get a lot of him, especially since we don't know what's up with Ray. Yeah. Um, and then you see a scene where he's walking in the club and he sh- you know, bumps shoulders with Frank. And they look at each other like, you know, hey, asshole. No, hey, asshole. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and then it there's a and then it has these real flashes of scuffling and people getting thrown down. And I think it's Taylor Kitsch uh, dealing with Frank's muscle, you know? And, uh, you know, could even be the part where, you know, the whole scene I like earlier where all four of them are looking at him or something, but I doubt it. Um, I think there's a scuffle at the bar or the club, wherever he is, where they're checking out information. And it just leads to Frank and him having a little scuffle. So, um, and then it cuts away, and that's the end of the preview. Um, a lot of good information. You know, it shows them really where they're going, matches the plot for the next episode, which the next episode's called uh, Maybe Tomorrow, I believe. Isn't that correct? Mm-hmm. And, um, and this plot line basically reads as what I just told you from the preview. You know, it uh, doesn't mention anything about Ray, um, of course, or I'd be telling you. Um, but, it, you know, it talks about how they're checking born to the mayor and how they think there's some corruption and then the the, the crime scene. Uh, so, and it talks about Frank, you know, kind of losing it and reverting. And so I think uh, it's going to be a really, really interesting next episode. I hope they keep up the intensity. And I'm just dying to know what's going to happen with Ray. Well, are you ready for me to tell the spoiler secret? Dazzle me. <laughs> okay, if you watch the trailer before the season started, right? There's a scene where you see Annie um, basically leading a raiding party into what looks like a... They're like walking down a sidewalk, almost like they're going into a warehouse or kind of an old rundown building or some kind. And Ray's right behind her. And it's not happened in the show yet. And Ray's right behind her, standing tall. My man's alive. <laughs> My man's alive. Not to mention in IMDb, he's all credited for eight episodes. So, Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> the spoiler uh, has been unleashed. Um, and if now you're you upset, always, it is my brother's fault. And you can't, you can't always trust IMDb. They... Uh, they're in on it a lot of times and they throw stuff out there so you don't know for sure i believe but, but the trailer like you said, if you've seen a scene where he's behind her and he's part of a raid yep that's pretty obvious yeah and he is in it and that scene has definitely not happened so all right here now that could be episode six or seven maybe yeah. we do get him in a hospital for a while yeah this, the the case goes cold Ray recovers after a few months. I think there's going to be a lot of recovery. If these are real shotguns, blasts, 
Come on. If that's a real blast, he's dead. I mean, I'm with you. Unless somebody has, you know, unless the ambulance is rolling up as he's pumping the shotgun, <laughs> you know, he uh, he ain't making it. Let's have taken him to Dr. Frankenstein with his shades to get him fixed up. <laughs> I mean, God. You know. Um, and, and, and why would Ravenhead person leave not being sure yeah, it, that he's mm. dead? So I hope they clear this up really well. Because otherwise, it's going to be too thin to deal with. Yeah. Could be a disastrous... Could be. It honestly could be. Because the painstaking, you know, details he took with burning dude's eyes out and blowing his junk off and setting him up in a park bench, you know, on the side of the road. I just don't see whoever that killer is to leave any chance. Fumble this scenario. Yeah, to leave any chance. So, yeah, I'm assuming that either this person didn't really want to kill Ray, you know, just so happened he was there. And I don't know. Now, some one of the feedback said I didn't say it, and I kind of forgot, and I didn't. I was going through emails too fast here. Is that somebody said non-lethal rounds? I don't give a damn what kind of round it was. You pull Point the trigger blank. from three inches from his chest. That's going to do some serious damage. Non-lethal or not, that's tearing flesh, breaking bone. That's going to be bad. That's going to be real bad. And you mm. see that shirt tear apart when he gets shot. So, And if the shirt tears apart, you're going to know if he was wearing a vest. You know? Yeah, it doesn't leave a whole lot, you know. But it does make you think if he does lie, is alive and he had a vest on and the guy didn't finish it, it makes you feel like the character knows who Ray is, could be a cop, could be involved, doesn't want him dead, but doesn't want him, you know, I don't know. It just That's thin, too, so. That's what I'm saying. It's kind of. If he's alive and walking in the next couple episodes, I'm going to call bullshit i mean i just don't want it i don't want it to be that way oh no it just it's all going to depend on how they tie this all up that's what i'm saying but after seeing the frank oddly staged scene with the fender bender thing you know i hope they do not ruin the staging of this fumble this crap i don't know but uh that's all the spoils we got right yeah that's it dude uh we're gonna keep that always a minimum here on bleed tv we're not much for the spoil thing we just want to talk about the dang good shows that are out there um guys we love true detective i think it's getting deeper and deeper and awesome and awesome and lots of th- you know callbacks and different things um you know we had a lot of good feedback here please keep hitting us up um at uh, bleed tv podcast at gmail.com or at bleed tv podcast on twitter also if you got a minute man give us a, a, a positive review on itunes any of y'all any love we could get from that would be amazing um really you know really really appreciate it. we've already gotten several six i think we got five or six in the first month we've had this going on they were really really nice and positive and uh, we appreciate you i know um one of them was by major wave another one was uh an sms a uh 
We had a few other ones, Mustang something. I can't remember exact numbers. I'll look them up. But, guys, we want to give you all thanks for putting those reviews on there. We appreciate the kind words. And if anybody else has got an iTunes account and wants to give us a positive review, that would be awesome. Uh, we'll give you the we'll give you some kudos and a shout-out on that. Really, really appreciate it, y'all. And uh, I think we're going to call it a wrap. And unless you got anything else, man. No, I'm done, dude. All right, guys. We will see y'all next week. Bye. Change will come to those who have no fear But I am not hurt